Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, the management trinity and coaching. This is Mike, and welcome to Manager Tools. This week, we cover the coaching model's inclusion in the management trinity. It's by far the least used of the trinity. Now, that's too bad, because it only takes five minutes a week, yep, that's right, five minutes a week to coach each of your directs. Who would want to go to their boss and say, hmm, I didn't coach my people this year, because over the course of the year, it would have taken me four hours, and I didn't want to spend that much time on it. Uh, not if you work for us. At least, not for long. All right, here we go. You know, it, it frustrates me to no end that more managers don't coach their directs. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I think, um, well, our purpose is obviously to change management and to help everyone get better. But I think you and I, I think, well... The good ones are, right? Yeah, yeah. But like you said, we're, we're, we're trying to help all managers, and all managers I, I aren't know. doing it. I, yeah, I know. Um, I guess I, what I was getting at was I'm just reminding managers that aren't coaching that they're really fighting an unwinnable battle for opportunities and growth if they're up against an effective manager who coaches her directs. Yeah. Now this sounds like a soapbox moment. Yes, it is. And, and wait, wait, wait. Let's 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 be smart about this, though. I'll let you see your soapbox <laughs> if we can start right away with the cast. I can feel it with this cast. The soapbox is going to come out and go back in, right? Um, it, I, I I suspect so. But we did not invent the Trinity because there were two good parts and one that people could ignore. I mean, we could have chosen ten things. I mean, look, we're not. We're clearly not tied to common thinking, because what we're talking about is not common. Horseman's laws only have eight laws. I'm sure people think we're the other two, but there aren't two more because they have to be quality. We, we could have easily come up with 10 things every manager could do. And, and probably what we could have also done is had a, an acronym that goes with them, like superstar or superstar. I don't know how many words, how many letters that has. But, you know, if you want to be a superstar manager, you should, you should support and under, I don't know. We'll, um, we'll get Will Ferrell to uh, be the sponsor. Yeah, that would be great. That would be so good. Um, but look, um, the Trinity exists with the added uh, silent partner of delegation. Because if you do these four things, you don't have to be great at anything else to have a really exceptional career. It'd be good if you knew your industry. It'd be good if you knew the technical stuff and so on. But you can make an entire career on your managerial skill alone, which we designate as being separate from industrial skill or technical skill. Um, it is the ability to get the most out of a team of people rather than focusing on yourself. Um, so, so part of the reason for the soapbox or that my feeling like I'm going to be on a soapbox a little bit here today, but not much, is because um, – Coaching gets short shrift. Too many managers aren't doing it. We know what happens with managers who do one-on-ones feedback and then add coaching as well. They think, man, it's like a whole nother gear is in the car. Um, so, but anyway, you're right. Um, we want to get right to it. We know that our managers that are listening to us are busy. Uh, although they're every once in a while, we do hear that somebody is hoping that their commute is longer. And we're, we're sorry to hear that. Um, 
But anyway, um, this is a Management Trinity cast. And in keeping with our previous um, approach, we do have those two key points to cover, the what and the how. But I want to add one more this time. So we're going to look, it's going to sound like this today. We've got three parts. First, why managers don't coach. Let's share with everybody our experiences about what we're hearing from the field um, uh, and what I've heard, what we've heard from the field over the last 10, 15, 20 years as we've been talking about this stuff. Then we'll talk about the two parts that are pretty standard to the, the model, which is what coaching achieves and how coaching achieves it. Cool. Okay. So let, let's talk first about why managers don't coach for a minute. Since a minute? It is, it is Did you clearly, say for a minute? If we, it, do we a have minute, a timer or, or am I just going to get to talk? Um, I am unable, <laughs> incapable of talking for only one minute about why managers don't coach. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're killing me here. You're killing me here. Yeah. And you can look for that in the, in the show notes, folks, but yeah. it isn't in there. Yeah. Keep, keep with the script, would you? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, you know, and, and one of the reasons we want to talk about this in particular, because this is the least used of the core, and we're talking about the, the core tools, folks. The core. This is yep. one of the least used of the core tools that we recommend. And the so I believe that one of the most pervasive reasons is lack of time. And managers often tell us that they're too busy to coach their folks. Sure. You and I both hear that. We hear it every time we go to a client. We hear it at every conference, right? Um, All and the it's time. a false. It, and regardless of how many times we hear it, a million people saying a foolish thing, it's still a foolish thing. And it's a false argument. Right. Because our model allows any manager to coach any of their directs in any situation in five minutes a week. That's okay. It. So, so let, you know what? Let's be persnickety about this a little bit since you said pervasive, I'll use persnickety. Let's just do the math here. Five minutes a week. Let's assume we only do them in one-on-ones. But while we certainly recommend that as a neat way to, to, to hive it off so it's easy, right. have it somewhat scheduled, that is not required at all. No, right. Okay, but, but, but even, okay, so, so I use the one-on-one just to make it easy for people to think about it, right? Because it happens each week. Um, and you make the rightful point that you can coach outside of one-on-ones. I don't know why anybody would want to, but okay, fine, you can. Um, we tend to think of training as happening outside of one-on-ones. Coaching can happen within them. Um, okay, but let's assume anyway. Let's get back to the whole math thing. Let's assume that we are doing it in one-on-ones, and we're going to assume that we miss a few one-on-ones, and we only end up with 48 of the 52 weeks of the year that we actually get to do coaching. Right. And as a mathematician on the team, I multiply 48 times five minutes and get a little less than 250 minutes a year. <laughs> That's good. You're the mathematician. And when you multiply your product, it ends up including the phrase a little less than. <laughs> yeah, I, I was translating in real time for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, OK. OK. Yeah. For the high I in the group. OK. Yes. Yeah. Well, are you, really are you saying I'm wrong? No, no, not. Okay, very well then. So we actually end up with 240 minutes, which is exactly four days a year, which is completely reasonable to work on each record. Even if you have 10, that is completely reasonable to expect people to work on them for four days a year. You read all your organization's words about people and performance and constant growth and development. Hold on. It, look, this is silly. Four days a year is too much for managers to spend in staff development? Dude. It's not four days. What do you mean? What is it? 
It's four hours. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, four hours. Okay, this is really bad. I mean, I just feel like, I, well, I, I, everything I just said is true. Now, time's a factor of 24, I guess. Um, it, so, it, so what that proves, I mean, to make a point real simple, it is shameful. Yeah, shameful. Shameful. So, yeah. So Not coaching because we don't have time. Yeah, yeah, very shameful. And so is your lack of math skills. But Yeah, okay. Yeah, but four hours, I mean, you know, I really had in my head four days. And then when you say four hours, Matt, let, let's say even somebody had 10 directs. That's 40 hours. That's a week. It's not even a full week for most managers who complain they're too busy. It's nothing. Yeah, it's, wow. Mm. Okay, so you chose the most pervasive reason, and you're right. I, I totally think you're right. That's the defense people have. Now, these are probably 90% of managers who don't know how to manage their time effectively or efficiently, and that's fine. Um, and this is why so often when we get a question about X, we end up giving an answer about Y because they're never going to get to X unless they solve Y first. Um, but I'm going to choose not the most pervasive, and I'm not going to be persnickety. I am going to choose the most pernicious of all of the reasons why managers tell us in the field, at conferences, at clients, on the forums, in person, private messages, email, and so on, why they don't coach. Pernicious. Okay, I'm starting to bring a dictionary to all these there you podcast go. Good. sessions. Good, good, good. You, you, I'll bring a calculator and you bring a dictionary. <laughs> the dictionary, by the way, is much more interesting. Um, <laughs> the disagree. reason managers don't coach is because, unfortunately, and, and I have to say for younger managers... This is a great burden that I would like to think we get a t chance at chipping away at. Um, they don't coach because coaching is tainted. It, somehow in the corporate world, the word coaching has become tainted. And, and look, this is really not an anti-HR screed, but it has become tainted largely by HR policies and how managers have to interact with those HR policies. Even though HR is not to blame completely, HR managers don't call me or write me. Um, because it won't matter anyway. Um, but basically coaching is tainted with the stink of failure. Too many managers mistakenly believe that we only coach those employees who are at the end of their tenure. And we're only using a coaching model as a way to document their failure to achieve performance goals. The whole idea behind goals, in fact, in coaching is simply to have a measure of what someone did not do. Um, and, and you know what? This is, anytime you get into a situation where you use one thing in order to achieve something else, um, and you know that you don't want the recipient to understand that connection, um, that now you're getting into the gray area of ethics. Um, it's terrible for employees who up until this point, if they're adult, you know, human beings up until that point in their lives, for the most part, they've seen coaches as being knowledgeable mentors and guides and teachers or trainers of task specific information to help someone perform as part of a team. Usually. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just such garbage. I mean, just, just look at the world of sports, world-class athletes, those folks who are best at what they do in the world have coaches. And yep. the best performers have the best coaches. And all of yep. a sudden, we become part of a organization, a corporation, and all of a sudden, coaching Nobody is a coaches. bad thing. 
Uh, yes, yeah. and and even more. Let's even go a step further. Let's go back a little bit to to, to feedback because I'm assuming these will come out in order, right? And so we've already done feedback. Um, look, all world class anybody's beg for, build systems for, and bathe in feedback regularly. World class athletes, your analogy, the the the, the feedback comes from the coach, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so I I. I Absolutely agree as you might good, suspect good, good. with what you just said, um, but I but I also know and, and you know as well that your reason and my reason are related. Managers don't coach because it takes too long, which is crap. Well, okay. yes, but because the way HR makes us document at the end, and the fact that we only coach poor performers, uh, yeah, 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 and that we're ensuring yeah. a no liability termination as uh, as as that's a worthy uh, goal. Yeah, in life, that, that's a good goal, right? Yeah, it just it just takes too long. There's an HR person right now who is saying, well, actually, it is a good goal to have a no liability termination. Yes, but documentation is not the way to do that. But anyway, yeah, it does take too long. So when you, if someone says, I want you to coach, and you went around like a young person or a new manager and and took some samples of who is being coached and on what and for what reasons, you'd come away with a very clear belief that coaching is negative and that it's a long process, that HR has a huge role in it. Um, and, and then it's largely about documentation and it's really preparation to avoid liability. Um, and that's fundamentally wrong. Right. And and I know that sounds harsh to a lot of managers who are listening, but fundamentally it's true. Yeah. And, and if we're known for anything, it's not, not, we're not afraid to speak truth to power and it's wrong. We know it's wrong. Most managers and directs know it's wrong, and they hate it at some emotional level, at some spiritual level, and we ought to stop it. Uh, and look, I don't, uh, you know, a little bit of soapbox there. I don't mean to be harsh just to be harsh. Look at it this way. The reason it takes so long is that the purpose of that standard coaching that managers are asked to do is to get rid of someone. I'm going to say this again. You cannot fool people. People's brains have generally good memories of coaching at some level, and they know that what you're doing is not coaching, but you define it as such. And further, if the purpose is not to improve performance, which most managers will say, well, I hope they do, but really the reason I'm doing this is because I've got to dot my I's and cross my T's. If the purpose is not to improve performance, then you really can't say that what you're doing is coaching. Unless you're going to suggest that all the coaches that that coach young people and uh, adults as well and world-class athletes, if they're all doing not coaching and what you're doing is coaching. So look, folks, the vast majority of managers and the vast majority of organizations in the world, when they do coaching, they do it wrong because it's not coaching what you're doing. Right. And, and that's a key point we want to make here. Don't let your organization or HR or ER or somebody else tell you that the process you go through to fire someone is coaching. It is not. But managers think it is, and then they do the actual coaching itself poorly. Yeah, no surprise. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to coaching as part of the Trinity. What, what does coaching do? Coaching encourages improved effectiveness. Okay, and why should we care about that? <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> uh, well, uh, w- w- there's a word, there's a Latin word that just means on the face of it. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> You mean I have to defend this? Is it is it not universally understood to be true that encouraging improved effectiveness would be a lofty and reasonable and attainable goal for most organizations? But anyway, I will give you a few reasons. The world is flat. 
iPods, the Internet, China, Wipro, GUIs, the EU, Kalgoorlie, Australia. Those are all reasons why we should care about encouraging improved effectiveness. Oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> you care to elaborate a little bit on that? Well, sure. Look, if one of those that I mentioned doesn't ring a bell for some of you, Meaning, if there's even one on that list that you don't get immediately as a rationale for improving the performance of your team, then you need coaching on professional development as well. Okay, soapbox boy. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> one step at a time. Okay, so tell us what you mean here. I just want everybody to right. know that I know what you mean. But <laughs> in case I'm there's somebody else it who doesn't. Um, we could just say you should do it, but you know we don't like the word should. Uh, look, we've laid out a case for feedback as a necessary management tool. The fact is, and, and, and this is something I don't think I've ever said before, just like recently I said the single most important thing managers do is good hiring, but nobody ever never picked up on that. It was very interesting. I use a lot of hyperbole, but I'd never said that before, and nobody wrote in about it. But anyway, okay. Uh, some of this stuff is, is just a different take on some of the, the points we've been making for a while. And this comes out of conversations with clients and, and members and, and conference attendees and so on. Um, the fact is your folks, your team, your directs can't know everything they need to know. And so by definition, therefore, they're going to make a lot of mistakes. Mistakes are okay. We talked about that last time. Surely in the feedback cast, we talked about that, right? Right. right. Mistakes yep. are okay. For the manager who is constantly adjusting, praising, talking to her people about their work and what's good and what can be better. That's just managerial behavior acting as the learning from experience part of the organizational brain. Every brain and an organization has a form of a brain and all the managers and directs brains. Um, and there's a part of every brain that is dedicated to learning from experience. I put my hand on the hot stove. Ow. And then, and then the brain tells you, don't do that again, right? That's a form of feedback, in fact. Um, that's just a form. Feedback is just a form of managerial behavior acting as the learning from experience part of the company's brain. Look, managers serve, as I just said, as the organization's brain at some level. The company is not smarter than all of the people who work there. If managers aren't helping well-intentioned directs learn from their innocent mistakes or, in a different vein, correcting ill-intentioned behavior because all organisms have self-preservation circuits, then the organization or the organism is going to fail. It's, it's like the analogy we've used before, I'm sure, in cast in person with hundreds of managers, thousands of managers really by now. It's just like driving to work and making all those small adjustments on your steering wheel as you drive straight down a straight road and you're constantly moving left and right, even though you would describe it as straight. Okay, but that's feedback, right? I mean, just to be clear here, I asked about coaching. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to quote Vizzini, wait till I get going. Um <laughs> What I'm getting to is that feedback is necessary because of normal environmental fluctuations, the randomness of human behavior, the lack of perfect guidance that inevitably invades organizations. But coaching is required because humans are clever. Oh, okay. Crystal clear now. Look, you know what this is? Some people have heard me talk about this before. This is a different take on tectonic plates versus volcanoes. 
We make the case that great, great management is boring. It's not sexy. It's not pretty. It's not routine. And it works wonders. The Wall Street Journal, you know, doesn't often write stories about good management. They write about dramatic leadership or changes, unique discontinuities. But they don't write about management because management makes things work. Um, we're not saying we don't need leadership, folks. We need leadership, too. And there's a whole nother future out there called leader tools that someday we'll talk about. But look, good management is boring. It's not sexy. It's not pretty. It's routine. It works fabulously. But they don't make movies about, about management, just like they don't make movies about tectonic plates shifting, because tectonic plates move very slowly and are boring to watch. But tectonic plates caused Mount Everest, right? In the Himalayas. Tectonic plates caused the Rockies and the Sierra Nevadas and, and, and the Alps in, in, um, in Europe. Right? Oh, okay, okay. They don't make movies about tectonic plates. They make movies about volcanoes. But the fact is, whether, whether it's interesting or dramatic doesn't matter. It's the tectonic plates about which movies are not made that actually make the big difference and have remade, made and remade, the face of the earth. Okay. Keep going. Okay, but look, just because daily boring management behaviors are great to shape the earth, the fact is volcanoes do exist... And you better be prepared for their effluvium. And, and that would be? <laughs> Here we go. Dictionary again. Uh, a foul-smelling outflow or vapor. Okay? That probably doesn't help very much. Here's what I mean. Yeah, I, I Managers <laughs> must always be making adjustments because communication and people make things hard. But, they may, but we must also prepare our directs for significant shifts, for notable changes, for revolutionary, not evolutionary, for revolutionary changes. Managers are have a responsibility to do more than recommended minor corrections among their team feedback because there are volcanoes. There are revolutionary new product strategies from competitors. There are technological shifts. There are competitive environment changes. There are new ideas. There are new products. All these things can significantly affect organizations. And if you don't have a, have a habit of growing people through coaching, yeah, through coaching, that's when, and I mean this, when, folks, when, that's when volcanoes erupt in your business and you will be at immediate disadvantage no matter how much feedback you've given because feedback only handles the incremental things, the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week. -week. It's because we weren't communicating clearly in the beginning, but now we have a noticeable discontinuity that's outside of our control and we better have been doing something to invest in our people to get them moving up a whole level rather than a tenth of a percentage point. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Okay, now, now just just for yeah. a quick, just sum it up for us real quick. Okay, yeah, that was that was enough analogy. Let me I, maybe I should have started with summing up, but but it goes like this: Managers have a responsibility to coach because the uncoached team begins to fail when the market, the economy, the company, the competition, the environment, any and or all of the above makes a discontinuous move. The uncoached team can make small evolutionary improvements provided they're given feedback. But it is not gaining ground strategically to help them weather the discontinuities that seem to happen so often we ought not call them rare or unusual anymore. Thanks to the speed of communication and the Internet and so on, the discontinuities are brought to our doorstep nearly every week. Ah, okay. Now that makes sense. That's why you listed all those discontinuities earlier. Yep. 
Coaching is the strategic way of improving everybody. You've got to do both strategic and tactically. And if your company is doing the same thing five years from now that it's doing today, you're done. You're toast, as they say, right? Um, so look, the world is flat, okay? I mentioned the world's flat, okay? Uh, our classmate, Steve Biggery, changed the game for every fast food operator in the U.S., and I would guess in the world too, by allowing outsourcing of drive-up window order takers. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, think about that for a moment. You drive up to a, to a, a McDonald's, okay, a uniquely American institution. Some people don't like it, but we in America, a lot of us like it. Um, you drive up to McDonald's and you're in Missouri on the interstate, it's very possible that when you give your order to the drive-up window person, that person is in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And thanks to high-speed data lines and a digital picture which is taken of you to make sure your order gets back to you, they actually get higher throughput, lower, lower, uh, lower volume of errors, and therefore better profitability during the lunch hour, the time when many McDonald's make most of their money. Um, look, if you're in that business, if you're in the fast food business, that's a better business model. And if you can't compete with it and it's in your area, you're going to have your success, your profitability reduced. If you're not coaching your people to grow their skills, even when you're not sure of how those skills will be used, and this comes along and all they're doing is scraping by, and suddenly it's not enough to be doing what you're doing, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, one of, one of the things we're going to talk about in managerial economics that I'm stunned that most managers and some executives don't know is the company should always be managed to weather a 15% reduction in revenues. You never want to be spending close to 15% on in already existing stuff, right? You don't want to be, you don't want to be spending 86% of your, of your net revenue um, on existing operational issues. Um, and managers don't know that if you have one of these, if you're spending at 90% and then you have a discontinuity, or if your teams are at 95% effectiveness and you can't, you're not growing them anymore. And then suddenly there's a big discontinuity that adds to somebody else's profitability, which they can plow back into the business. You're in trouble and you may not see it right away, but two years later, you look back and go, man, he really started making money when he outsourced his drive up windows and, and that, that gave him the capital to build another store. And that store put us out of business. Yeah. And that's the smart competitor who really is able to go back and analyze what actually happened. Okay? Look, iPods. Did the music industry see the change coming? I, I, look, no offense, but there's evidence that they didn't. That's for sure. Well, yeah. Even if they did. Yeah, they didn't do anything about it. Yeah, the evidence. <laughs> there's, there's no evidence their response is helping other than suing college kids in America for ripping off. Uh, music, which, I, by the way, I happen to agree with. I think kids ought not to steal music. Um, that, that has nothing to do with the fact that we're in the intellectual property business, by the way. Um, <laughs> iTunes has got to be one of the top five sellers of music in the U.S. by now. I don't know about internationally, okay? Um, and I don't think iTunes existed five years ago. I think it started in late 2003. I could be wrong, okay? Uh, the Internet nearly... So, in other words... You better be doing something for your people in the music business because when somebody comes out with an iPod, you better have some additional capacity you can tap. Or if you've spent the last five years and then the iPod comes out and you ha you've gotten your people used to small incremental changes and nothing else, you've basically told them, I'll never ask you for more. I don't expect you to improve in a quantum way. And they're going to be stunned when 
you're not asking for a change. The market is, and if they don't do it, they're going to lose their jobs. And some people are not as gifted, not as talented, not as flexible, uh, not as uh, elastic as managers, and they're going to fail. And then when the company most needs performance, your team is not going to be there. The internet, look, the internet nearly put phone companies out of business. The, the, uh, and in part because phone companies weren't, this sounds corny, I know, but in part because phone companies weren't coaching people. The advent of China on the world's use of commodities, including energy, obviously, uh, and its effect on industrialized manufacturing. Lots of companies, not, not, not companies, although that's, or not, not countries, even though that's probably true, companies were not ready for the new player of China. And there was all kinds of signs. Okay. Wipro took business from all kinds of U.S. and EU firms with lower prices for better quality software engineering. In many cases, while many managers in the U.S. and the EU could not imagine doing software development through outsourcing. Yeah. They weren't ready. Yeah. And, you know, so obviously we don't need to go through all right. of those sorry, yeah. discontinuities you listed. But our point here is that there are disc- discontinuities all the time. And managers who are satisfied with incremental improvements will have a team not ready when the VP says, hey, we need a fundamental shift here. Exactly. Um, Those directs who are not coached are much less likely to do well in promotions and a growing, changing market than someone who is coached and is expected by their manager, regardless of the conflict that introduces into the relationship, who is expected to do noticeably better, notably better at the end of the year than at the start of the year. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk strictly about our definition for a second. Encourages improved effectiveness. Sure. Okay. Um, first, encourages. Um, I, I, again, I hope that the feedback cast came out before this one. We love that word encourage. Okay. Managers cannot make their folks do more. But meeting every week and providing positive and negative feedback along the way, because positive and negative feedback are part of the coaching model, meeting every week, providing that feedback along the way is a certain way to encourage your directs to get better. Good managers are encouragers of their directs. They want their directs to get better, not only because the market demands it, but the manager also cares about the direct feeling of joy that improved performance gives their directs. Bingo. It is not just because the manager is humanistic and cares about people. And again, we can allude to the idea that it really is all about love. We can also say, not just because you feel this way, but because the market demands it. And if you know you feel that way and you know the market demands it, is it really going to fly when you tell your VP that I didn't have time to spend four hours on that guy this year? And, And then think of it this way. It's a really unfair analogy in terms of time, because we recommend five minutes a week broken out over the course of the year, right? Um, But imagine with the international travel the way they are, uh, um, a person, a software developer or um, an outsourcing company in Europe, a manager or a director flying with one of his or her directs to the States and sitting together. I, I hope managers are smart enough to sit with their folks, but whether they're going east or west, whether you're going to Asia or Asia to the U.S. or what have you, or EU to Asia, you're sitting next to them for four hours, and you're going to tell me at the end of the year you didn't have four hours to coach them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not good. Okay, look. So, so 
we love that word encouragement. It leads to improvement. Um, it leads to improve effectiveness is the next part of the, of the, the definition of the model. Um, we mean by that word improved something more than just the evolutionary incremental and necessary gains of feedback. We mean a distinctive change of output. And look, of course, we want it to be effective output. And I've had some people say, I want to leave that out, but we don't. And the reason why? Because effective means it helps the organization achieve its mission. We don't coach people just to help them grow. There was a joke a while back about, you know, what if General Motors, not a good example nowadays, um, said to all of its employees, just like a kindergarten, we want to have each of our employees flower like its own individual, bloom, bloom like its own individual flower. Um, oh, look, you're here. You work for us. Yeah, we want you to get better, and we want you to get better in ways that help us, because that leads to job satisfaction and job security, quite frankly. Um, we coach people to help them grow in a way that helps the organization grow, which leads to more opportunities for them, in fact, for the organisms that are within the organization. Okay, good. Okay, so how does coaching deliver improved effectiveness? How does it do it? Oh, it's just magic. It's <laughs> just magic. That's what it is, Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did we wish everybody – did the last podcast go out with a special place they could go and order their free wands? And, well, yeah, that, I think that, it did. That's good because now now we can enter this podcast into the Harry Potter category. Yeah, there we go. That's right. That's right. Uh, we can, we can uh, refer to our friends on the Snapecast who were lovely to us. Um, look, coaching delivers improved effectiveness easily through regular goal-oriented communication. Too many managers say, I'm going to start coaching. I heard what Mark said, and I heard what Mike said, and boy, that sounds good. And then three months later, they're back to their old ways. That's because they're probably coaching the old way, where they are the trainer, the deliverer of knowledge. And quite frankly, that is too hard, and it's too time-consuming. And then they bail. Yeah, to the infinite disappointment of their directs. Yes. So our model, without going into it, because we're going to refresh, uh, our plan is to refresh those as well, right? Yep. Yep. Um, it says that you've got to make the process of noteworthy, notable improvement into a small, habitual routine. That's what directs and other managers respond well to. So we make it regular. While we don't mandate, um, I guess as if we could, right. <laughs> um, Doing coaching during one-on-ones, we just say, if a manager says, I'm not doing it during my one-on-ones, I just want to go, I want to knit my brow and go, what? <laughs> okay, poke me in the eye with a sharp needle or something. Uh, it sure does make it simple to do it in the one-on-ones. Um, weekly makes it regular. And weekly is such a powerful time window. Uh, it makes it harder for the direct to avoid it or do poorly at it because it's always on the front burner. Yeah, I, I I like those words, small habitual routine, because isn't it, it isn't isn't that what effective management is in a, in a lot is. of cases? It just yeah, you just, break this stuff down and then you do it so that it's habitual, so it's routine. It's I've, I've used the analogy before, even in Europe, I use the analogy of the Pledge of Allegiance, where if you tell if you tell any American, for instance, I pledge allegiance, I'll just go sure up to the flag of the United States of America. They they, they just know it, right? It's yep. because it's been practiced over and over and over again. It's like the lyrics to a song. Once the song starts and you, they give you the first couple of words, you're right on top of it. Yeah. Um, 
And that's yeah. that's the beauty of our, of, of our coaching models that you can do it in five minutes in the one on one, and so you have the opportunity to make it habitual. Most folks, folks, b- besides the the error of only doing it when somebody's in trouble and they need to cover their tails, frankly, right? Um, but when they do coaching, they make it much more complex and much much harder, much bigger, and so they drop it. They yep. just they just can't get their arms around it. Yep, exactly. Okay. So okay, so what about goal oriented? This is really a bow to the mission of the organization. Look, folks, the organization has a goal. Okay, if it's a corporation, there are monetary goals. Probably they have some profit associated with them. Okay, if everyone must kind of sort of works hard on hopefully the right stuff, the chances of you meeting goals is pretty slim. Top level goals trickle down usually into specific targets and measures for most teams. That means that coaching to help the organization achieve that is best structured in a way that mimics the goal orientation, if you will. There is no shame in asking for a direct to achieve a goal when the organization is required to achieve a goal. Again, saying it differently, if the organization is required to achieve a goal and no one in the organization ever achieves any goals, the organization is not going to achieve its goals. It's that simple. You can't add up a bunch of things and end up with a, a bunch of, you can't add up a bunch of negative numbers and end up with a positive. That's not the way math works. I know I need a calculator, but <laughs> I know that's true. Even if I can't do the math, I know it's true. Okay. Um, and we find that goals inevitably, you say the word goal, the thing that pops in people's minds is the word deadlines. Yep, and deadlines definitely lead to behavior. <laughs> yes, and I just love them for that reason. Yes, sir, they do. <laughs> now seems to be the time to talk about the connection between our coaching model and many organizations' performance management plans and policies. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, we were going we to add this, yeah. Here is the actionable nugget buried in this cast, folks. We want you to understand the background, but you also want to have an actionable item coming out of every cast we do, even if it's just one. We do not recommend initially the use of your coaching goals with your directs as performance management goals that are going to affect compensation and rewards at the end of the year. While the goal orientation might suggest it, gosh, it just seems natural. I've got to come up with some performance development goals for this person, and I've got to come up with some goals for the coaching I'm going to do with them. We have ample data that shows us that directs rebel against that. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. I mean, so have performance development measures, but be a little bit cautious of trying to tie your coaching goals to pay. Right. It just, it, you know, it just skews behaviors in ways that are not always effective. Right. Good. Now, it may be with a top performer, you can change that. But for now, for the majority of your folks, and as you begin to coach, you don't want to simply slap these into a performance development model that your organization uses and then discover that you're not a very good coach and you end up hurting your people's ability to get a big raise because you didn't do a good job. Yeah, and you got to go back and listen to the coaching um, podcast a little bit too to understand the, the, the our coaching model and there's a little bit of informality around it. So Right. Um, but that's, we'll leave that to... Um, to either you going back to the, the coaching podcast or just wait for us to, to redo it here shortly. To deliver the, the, the redone cast, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about I'm excited about doing that. I think uh, we've had enough feedback from some conference attendees in Washington that suggests that um, that it's really powerful when people hear it at the conference. Yeah, and I, I think the you know, the coaching podcast was probably in our first 
10 or 15 podcasts. So hopefully, yeah. I, I, I suspect we'll probably do it better, but maybe you, not. You, you think we might. <laughs> you I think, mean, but I hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll roll the dice and we'll pray that it, in fact, will be better. Um, okay. So here we also have to address communication, right? Um, goal, we talked about goal oriented, but let's talk about communication. Look, right, folks. and just and just to keep just to keep people uh, in touch with where we are here is we we were talking about the idea of regular goal oriented communication. So now we're talking that's about communication how part. that's how our coaching model achieves the notable, noteworthy, not quantum maybe for you scientists who know what quantum really means, but really significant performance improvement from a direct. And the final step is communication, um, because folks. 90% of coaching really is just communication, okay? Managers do nothing more than communicate. I know you're a working manager, or as I say, you're a working manager. But anyway, um, we find that managers who communicate regularly about the need for improved performance notably outperform managers who don't talk about it. And you're, just talking, you're not talking about – we can even just put aside – Coaching and um, being focused on a, on, a, on a goal, but just the idea of communicating about the need for improved performance. You're saying yep. that that alone leads to improved performance. Yep. Hmm. And our coaching model is the way to do that, to talk about improved performance in a regular, systemic, sustainable, boring, repetitive, mind-numbingly easy, small, little, behavioral, habitual way um, to allow directs to hear it, to believe they can achieve it, and to give them actionable and achievable things to step by step by step get there. And I knew at some point in my podcasting life I would say the phrase, but um, by the mile it's a trial, by the yard it's hard, and by the inch it's a cinch. That is really bad. Good. But, Good job, but it conveys Dr. Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just move along. Move along. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what we're saying here is that the manager who communicates regularly that he needs notably improved performance from his directs and then provides guidance on how to do so and then measures their progress is going to notably outperform the manager who does not. That was brilliant. The, okay, so again, the manager who says that he needs a better performance – and then provides guidance on how he wants people to point in which direction to point in, and then also measures it, it's not just going to outperform. He's going to bury the guy next to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the organization, and you're right, and the organization filled with managers who do so are not only more likely to be the cause of volcanic shifts, if they were to happen, but they will be far better able to weather the ones that they don't create. And that's a great reason to have coaching in the management trinity. This one was fun. Yeah, it was. Maybe, maybe because you gave me a, a hint, a, a peek at the soapbox there a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I just, know you like that. I think managers, I think too many of us want to complain about things that happen elsewhere when, in fact, we wouldn't be complaining at all if we were simply constantly asking our folks to engage in a, in a, in a performance fitness program where you go to the gym every day. And you get stronger every day. So when something happens, you don't wish that you were fit. When something happens, you already are fit. And you've yeah. already invested the time. And you don't have to go back and reinvest. You simply reap the rewards of your investment. 
That that was such a great analogy. Why don't you just say that in the beginning? We'd have been done like 30 <laughs> minutes ago. It's not even in the show notes. I just thought of it today because I was at the gym and I thought, you know, fitness works for coaching. That's good. All right. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, sir. We'll see you later. All right, everybody. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't been to the website lately, go to www.manager-tools.com and join us on the discussion forums. We'd love to see you there. Until next week, then, so long.